Happy History Hump Day, all of you queer historians. I'm Julian Rushbrook, your host for A History Most Queer. Welcome to the month of October. Pumpkin spice and spectral entities make this time of year the best and a welcome one at that. Halloween has always been my favorite holiday, and I look forward to dressing up and embracing everything spooky. One thing that is especially scary is that for a whole lot of us in the Americas, we are woefully unaware of the rich cultural heritages of the various cultures that made up the North and South American continents and called these places their homes prior to the arrival of European colonizers in the 15th century. Due to a variety of factors from disease to enslavement and genocide, many cultures were either partially or totally lost to history. Despite all of that awfulness, some records of pre-Columbian America exist. Likewise, despite concerted efforts to erase native cultures and languages, a few have managed to come out of the other side of colonialism and continue to thrive. I remember having a friend a decade or so ago that told me of her family back in Mexico. She herself spoke both Spanish and English, but when visiting her grandmother found it difficult to connect. Her grandmother spoke a Maya dialect, and despite living in Mexico, knew little Spanish. I was surprised and glad to learn that the Maya had not been all wiped out. I'm sure that my friend probably thought I was loony for being so excited to learn that the Maya people were not just a footnote in a history book. So, having said all of this, on this podcast's continuing journey through Hispanic American queerness, I thought it might be fun to look at queerness in those native cultures that now find themselves enveloped in the wider Latin American world. One of the sad aspects of these queer people's story is that we often have only the words of Spanish conquistadors to go on. The lives and customs of these cultures are often viewed through a highly critical lens, as these people were first and foremost not Christian. Likewise, these people were not white Europeans, so it should come as no surprise that Christopher Columbus and those who followed him from the Iberian Peninsula in search of gold and glory would be hostile to concepts that they deemed sinful in the Christian European context. In an ironic twist, the cultures that now exist in Central and South America, might be inclined to think that queer people are a phenomena that is not native to their lands at all, but instead a cultural curiosity of Europeans. So I hope that my taking a small dip into the histories and traditions of some of these great cultures, we can see that while the letters might not have been the same, LGBTQIA people and gods were very much present in the Maya world. Now, for a little context, 
The Maya is a language group, and the people who speak this language group live even to this day in southern Mexico, Guatemala, Belize, Honduras, and El Salvador. When we think of the Mayan civilization, this culture was centered in the Yucatan region of Mexico. As another little aside, the Yucatan is where the asteroid that ended the dinosaurs struck several million years ago. So needless to say, this region of the world has importance that predates even human beings. I am sure there are some queer dinosaurs that looked up in the sky and saw an amazingly bright cosmic phenomena for their last image. The Maya is a more contemporary term, and the people who spoke these different languages would not have referred to themselves as such. It's just a simple way for those of us looking back on over two millennia of history to categorize the societies in this part of the world. These people had dealings with other regional powers, such as the Aztec, Olmec, and Miztec societies. We will have to look at these other cultures in the future, as each society had different ways of engaging with queer people. For now, we are laser-focused on the Maya and the events that changed their society to become what exists today. Many native cultures in the Americas have a group of people that are now referred to as Two-Spirit. In Spanish documents, these people were referred to as Bedarche people, which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I'm trying. But that term has taken on a more slur-like reputation owing to its origins. The term comes from the Arabic word bardaj, which translates to slave boy, one that is often used as a sex slave. The Spanish missionaries and conquerors who came into contact with the two-spirit people would digest their existence through their own cultural viewpoints. This third gender of humanity was seen as inferior, as for them anything feminine was by default seen as lesser than anything masculine. Queerness in Europe had, like everywhere else on the planet, been around forever. The ancient Greeks and Romans wrote about the phenomena, but only looked upon men who were the penetrators, you know, basically the tops, as being acceptable. As a little aside, it is humorous to me that these tops were lifted up and art would hail them as great minds while taking a cultural dump on the bottoms. You can't have tops without bottoms, and vice versa. It is weird, but then, so is all of misogyny. So two-spirit folks were seen as inhabiting the world as the penetrated person, the feminine man. Such people could not be tolerated, and so, when described in documents, the Spanish would be scathing in their descriptions. If a person inhabited the world as this third gender, or even if they were born intersex, they would be given this term, bedarche, and viewed as sexually deviant. For the Maya, those two-spirited people were not viewed as deviants, but rather would be held in high regard. A big reason for this elevated status was because of a queer Maya deity. The ancient Maya people had a deep appreciation for the penis. 
I think the obsession with the male member is something that is just about a universal human preoccupation. Every middle school restroom has drawings of a cock and balls, which likewise find their ways into the margins of notebooks for students of all ages. Well, the ancients were no different, whether for a chuckle or out of an abiding and deeply held reverence for engorged shafts, people have been drawing, painting, and carving the penis all over the planet for millennia. In 1979, Bernabe Pup, a man from Guatemala, found an archaeological treasure trove that helped to change the thinking of the place of queer people in the history of the Mayan-speaking people. He stumbled upon a cave Na Tunich, that contained writing, artwork, and artifacts that dated back several millennia. A penis here and a penis there were carved all over the walls. One of the most striking images that he came upon was of two men locked in an embrace. One of these men had an enormous erection. By enormous, I mean huge. It would take divine power for someone to stand upright with such a massive cock. Well, it just so happens that the owner of the massive appendage was divine. He was the god Chin. The Mayan pantheon was no stranger to queer people with this god amongst their ranks. A great deal of the religious beliefs of the Maya have been lost due to a massive book-burning campaign in 1562 that was headed by Bishop Diego de Landa. The Franciscan bishop did document quite a bit of the culture, but on the other hand, he destroyed centuries of knowledge. This was all during an inquisition that he ordered in the city of Mani in the Yucatan. The Maya had already been converted to Catholicism, but were often found to still be revering their traditional deities. The punishment inflicted on all classes of people, including the nobles, went from jailing people to lashings and other forms of corporal punishment. Bishop Landa claimed that in revisiting their traditional beliefs, these Mayan converts were engaging in human sacrifices. It is unclear how true these accounts are, as again, these colonial forces were not above creating narratives out of whole cloth that would support their positions as saviors to the quote-unquote savage infidels. That is not to say that Landa did not witness Mayan rituals, but rather that these customs when viewed through Catholic European viewpoints could only be perceived as demonic idolatry. Now, let's go back and check in on Chin. So, I don't want to be dishonest and claim that Mayan societies were totally cool with same-sex love and gender nonconformity. On the contrary, these societies would often have very similar views as the Spanish when it came to gender roles and so on. Where the two cultures differed is that Maya magic and rituals had carve-outs 
for queer representation. Sheen was often represented engaging in male-on-male sex. At the Na Tunich site, if the deity is not actively engaged in sex with a man, he's surrounded with images of young, naked men. In turn, priests would engage in ritualistic sexual activities with their gods, including, of course, Jean. Well, when people like Bishop Landa saw or read about this kind of divine queerness, they could only conclude that Jean was a demon and that his sexual desires were a corrupting influence. When the Spanish came in and set up shop, cultural ideas were swapped back and forth. Eventually, the Maya became a blended hybrid culture. Aspects of Catholicism were grafted to native gods like Chin or the fire god Tohil. In some cases, a deity would take on the name of a Catholic saint while keeping their position as a god of harvest or wind, for example. Sheen was not the only god that queer folks could look up to in Maya societies. The tonsured maize god, whose name is still up for some debate, uh, would be another one. Some sources claim that Hun Hunapu is the same as this maize god. Others say that his name is Hun Iksim. I think for simplicity's sake, I will just refer to this god as the maize god, again referring back to the church's destruction of records, it may very well be that either of the two named gods is not the same entity as the tonsured maize god. Well, okay, now it's going to get more complicated. There are actually two maize gods. One is young and his hair is tonsured, so bald on top, like Friar Tuck from Robin Hood. This god is the god of maize at the beginning of the growing process. His twin, or perhaps older aspect, is the folated maize god, who is connected to fully grown maize plants that are ready for harvest. Maize made up a healthy portion of the diet of the Maya. It is no surprise, then, that this life-giving crop would be the stuff of legends. In a creation story, humanity itself is molded from maize dough that the gods were supposed to have dined on. I kind of like the idea of being delicious corn tortillas or cornbread. I just hope that the gods are not looking down on me with a growling tummy. So, going back to the tonsured maize god, he actually used to be a woman. By the time of Spanish contact, this, the divine being gender changed, which already makes him a fascinating queer. Should we then assign some transgender qualities to the maize gods? Perhaps we ought to for more than just how the beings changed over time. The tonsured maize god, the young one, for those already lost when it comes to all these different maize gods, despite being referred to using masculine pronouns, 
is just as likely to be presented as a queen as well as a king. He, she, or they are more significant being than the more mature folated god. Scribes can look to this gender-bending god as their patron, as when they're depicted as a man, he is often shown with a pen in hand. Perhaps all of those penis sketches in that cave can thank him for their existence. There are also a set of heroic twins connected to our shorn-headed god. This is where things get a bit blurry, and that earlier name of Hun Hunapu comes in. In some sources, the tonsured maze god dies and returns from the shell of a turtle as the father of Hunapu and Shapalanak. According to legend, the beheaded god, Hun Hunapu, spit in the hand of Shakik and thus conceived these twins. These heroes had a rough beginning to their lives. Older members of their mother's family despised them and tried often to kill the pair. I do not want to dwell too much on these twins, but I will say that their story is interesting. Similar to other divine heroes, such as Erevan, which was covered back in August of this year, the hero's journey would involve a lot of disrespect from family and having to dodge death only to finally succumb heroically. Now, to go back to their father, Hun Hunapu, here we have another resurrection god, like Jesus and Tenuous, shout out to the second episode of this podcast, and Mithra. I am sure that the Maya, upon being first introduced to Christianity, would see some immediate similarities to Christ and the tonsured maze god. The maze god is one that does a great deal of transformation throughout their life cycle. He starts out as a single kernel of maize, then grows, dies, returns from a turtle shell, and then ends up a head hanging from a cacao tree. Much as I'm sure we all do, he ends with chocolate. I don't know if it is all this talk of food, but I'm going to have to get dinner planned soon. Alright, so we've touched on two important gods to the Maya, and looked briefly at their place in the cultures prior to the culture then becoming the hybrid that it is today. I thought we could end things by seeing how queer Mayan life is today. Catholicism has become the dominant religion in this part of the world. Even when not adherents, aspects of this European faith filter into native practices. Earlier this year, we had a look at Haitian voodoo. I'm having a lot of callbacks today, by the way. But anyway, within that faith system, there is a blending of native, African, and Catholic faith traditions. This same hybridized religion exists for many Maya people today. For queer Maya, it is that blended nature that gives them the ability to see themselves validated in the world. 
While Christianity can often have a very black and white view of the cosmos, the Mayan spirituality has a lot of room for various shades of gray. The fire guard, Tohil, not necessarily queer himself, is often renamed as King Martin, a combination of Tohil and Saint Martin. In other instances, King Martin is merged with Saint Paul. Aspects of traditions that date back hundreds of years, while altered, still occur for these people. For many queer Maya, this is a comfortable connection with a culture that would have possibly seen them as connected to divinity. Now, one problematic aspect of contemporary queer Mayan life is the discrimination that often occurs. The Maya are more often more indigenous in their origins. The queer community can often be dismissive to people with darker skin and native facial features, while exalting lighter skin and more European features. Like many people all over the world, homophobia and transphobia intersect with racism in a vile concoction of bigotry. Threats often come to these people, whether due to their sexuality, gender, or race. As the world becomes more interconnected with the internet, seeming to bring every point of the map together, community is forming that is allowing the marginalized to feel at home even if their community is spread across a variety of continents. I think it is now time to wrap this episode up. This is far more than I can go into, and I hope this has whetted the appetites of all you queer historians to go out and seek out more information on the Maya cultures and the queer threads that run through all of them. The Maya are not the only pre-Columbian civilization that look that we can look to for having some queer influences. I know in time we will have a look at other societies in this part of the world to uncover their own queer stories and traditions. Alright, so did I maybe misspeak about something in this episode? Or perhaps mispronounce one of these Mayan words? Did I perhaps leave some crucial bit of information out that desperately needs to be addressed? Well, if so, you need to send me a message at historymostqueer at gmail.com. Your compliments and criticisms will, in the end, only make this podcast better. If you want a bit more queer Mayan stuff to fire up the imagination, come and visit the Instagram page at A History Most Queer. There you will find images of the maze god, his massive dicked fellow deity, Sheen, among other things. I just hope that the site does not take down the images of carved divine penises. Anyhow, until next week, I wish you all a brilliant remainder of this week and look forward to exploring more queer history together. Be safe out there, and bye-bye.
Woo!